I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, we're going to have Clark Stinks for you. It's our first Clark Stinks of 2019. A lot of people are like, where's Clark Stinks been the last couple of weeks? Well, we had other things going on like CES. So you can do a Clark Stinks about why there was no Clark Stinks if you want. So I want to talk to you about something that is a change happening in the marketplace. And this is in early innings. It involves how people determine whether or not you are worthy of doing business with. Now, think about it. I didn't say credit worthy. I said worthy of doing business with. Because lenders, banks, people in in the financial industry, people in the cell phone industry, you name it, they're trying to figure out how to decide if you're a okay if you're going to honor your commitments, if you're going to pay your bills and all the rest. Credit reports are not considered to be the gold standard anymore. They're considered to be a standard. And part of that is because last decade, during the banking scandals that led to the deep Great Recession, all the housing foreclosures and all that, credit reports and scores turned out not to be the best indicator of who was going to do okay through that time and who was not. So for the last decade, people have been trying to come up with all different new ways to do this, and the people under greatest threat are Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax, because they want to be the place people go to determine what level of risk you represent. So now the credit bureaus themselves or experimenting with alternatives, including Experian that is starting a system rolling out later in 2019 where other factors will be considered like if you're a renter, how you pay your rent. If you're on a prepaid cell phone plan, are you paying that cell phone bill every month? Are you paying your power bill? Or if you have a natural gas bill, are you paying it? How do you do with everyday expenses and bills is an alternative. It's called Boost, and it'll even look at things like how you do with pay TV, a variety of bills that you have beyond traditional extensions of credit. This is something that is going to become common Because so many people in their 20s and 30s have sworn off credit. And so it's caused uh, a problem gumming up the works with people trying to buy a home, people trying to buy a car, so many different purchases that require borrowing. And lenders are like, hey, how do we know if this person is capable of handling this? They've got no traditional credit report history which is all based on how you handle borrowing. So that's why the marketplace is having to adjust. It doesn't mean that, like, snapping my finger, that wasn't any good, let's snap louder. Snapping my finger, it's just instantly going to happen. 
there's going to be a gradual process. And some of the things I've said in the past, all the procedures I've recommended and things to establish credit, that will in the future become something that you won't have to know how to manipulate the process to establish credit just so you have a good credit report and score. And I think of the industries that are going to have to adjust as well, like how the auto insurers and homeowners insurers decide your rates primarily in most states based on your credit score, not anything else about you, not how you have handled driving, not whether you've had a DUI or DWI, but based on your credit score alone, the way they're going to have to make decisions in the future is going to have to modify as well. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you, Tim. I love the segments you do with uh, Bill Handel. I should do those longer. Thank you very much. Okay, got to tell a funny Bill Handel story. So we were in Las Vegas recently for the Consumer Electronics Show. And over and over again, people from Southern California came up to me and said, I love yawn with Bill Handel. He, he is such a fun personality. Well, you both are. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I'd say that I'm the dull straight man to his excitement. <laughs> you guys compliment each other well. Thank you. So I had a question. Um, my wife has uh, about $40,000 in a 457 plan that she no longer contributes to. And she has about $30,000 in a money accumulation pension plan that um, she no longer contributes to either because she works part-time. So we're wondering if we should just leave that money where it is or roll it over into another account and pay the, uh, the tax penalties on it. Definitely don't pay the tax penalties if she's not near retirement. I mean, part yeah, of the benefit not. of deferred tax is to be able to let it sit there and continue to grow tax-deferred. Now, tax rates are uh, fairly likely to be higher in the future, but at the time that she would retire, she's likely to have a lower income and be able to compensate for that, hopefully. But the big benefit is these are pre-tax dollars that went in, right? Correct. So letting those dollars continue to grow at the base they're at, tax-deferred, probably makes more sense. Okay. Now, with people with traditional IRAs, I talk about a process of, over time, converting that to a Roth IRA in certain situations. But you're in a whole different orbit with a 457 plan, and so that money is in a plan that has... Do you know what kind of fees are involved with it? Well, for the last quarter, the fees were about 20 bucks. All right. Now, I'm talking about the um, expenses involved. Is it invested in stock-type choices, or is it just managed by a professional money manager? They report what it's worth every 90 days. Yeah, it's just, it just managed by uh, the financial group. Okay. So probably that money's best left as it is. Okay. okay. And if there ever was a situation you were looking at moving money, always want you to move it to a low-cost provider. Okay. Um, so this is a 457, and the other plan you said was what exactly? 
a money accumulation pension plan. Wow, I I don't feel qualified to speak on that. Okay. So I'm going to stay out of that. Okay. Now, what is she doing to save money now that she's not at that job anymore? Um, well, when she went part-time, we stopped putting into the deferred comp, and we opened a Roth. Great. And which, are you doing that Roth with a low-cost provider? Uh, correct. Yep. Okay. As long as you're doing that, you're doing the right stuff. And so then think okay. about this. She's got the pre-tax pile of money growing, hopefully, mm-hmm. over the years. Then she's got a post-tax pile, the Roth. And that's actually my favorite strategy into retirement, to have a pre-tax pile and a post-tax pile, because then each year you can withdraw from whichever seems to be the smartest at that time, based on everything going on at that time. Okay. So I'd say there's not a move for her to make right now. Okay. Uh, Can I ask one more question? Sure. Um, I also have, have a pension plan. For my own retirement, and I also have a deferred compensation plan. All right. And are you still working where you were working? Yeah, I'm still working full-time. So is your question, should you keep participating in the deferred comp? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just wondering if we'll be making more money when we retire than we do now with, you know, the various retirement plans we have. Yeah, so that's a good problem to have. So I would say that in your case, you might want to consider doing what your wife's doing and do a Roth IRA. If you're income eligible for that, do a Roth IRA with a low-cost provider, then you also have a stream of income available to you in retirement that you won't have to worry about tax implications on. Craig is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Craig. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Craig. You have a question for me that pops up probably about two or three times a year. Yes. uh, A couple of buddies and I were discussing the hotel room key cards and if there's any real information on there that the, say, bad guys could get, like credit card or name, address, things like that, I guess. Yeah, this has been an urban legend for... I don't know how many years now, and that's why it comes up from time to time, that your room key unlocks a treasure trove of data for a criminal if it falls in the wrong hands, and I have never seen anything that would support that. Okay. And I would not worry about that at all. You <laughs> no, know, it, it, I wasn't. They were. They're thinking all kinds of things, and I said, no, I think that's just a myth, but... Yeah, tell them not to worry about that. There's enough else in life to worry about. You know, the biggest thing right. to worry about is your cell phone falling into the wrong hands. Yeah, there's a lot worse things. So if they're worried about somebody getting at their very sensitive personal information, they should make sure they have an app on their their phone that will allow them to track it, to erase it, uh, to keep it out of danger if it does, if they accidentally lose it or it is stolen. Okay, okay. One of my favorite for people on Android is Lookout. Okay. And that's free to use in its basic version. But the room key, wouldn't worry. Sherry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sherry. 
Hi, Clark. Um, thanks so much. Um, I've only recently subscribed to the podcast, but it's been a huge help to me so far. Oh, recommend it to all my friends and family who are into financial savings. Thank you so much. So my question was, um, from listening to your show um, and reading, you know, other stuff, I know that I should keep my um, emergency savings and savings money in a, in a money market account to get a better rate than at a traditional bank. And I was trying to research that the other day. And so I went online to one of the websites you recommended to check the rates. Which one did you go to? Bank rate. Okay. All right. Um, and so I checked in the top three that were there. I did not recognize them. I didn't know those banks. I'd never heard of them. So It is A-OK. To... Nothing is going to be on the bank rate list that is not a legitimate FDIC-insured bank. Well, what I was wondering is, like, how do I know which one will have reasonable customer service? Because other than getting the rate, <laughs> I don't want to be miserable. Like, I don't want to regret yeah, putting my I got money it. there. But, you know, with a simple <laughs> savings account, it's really t- very hard for even a crummy bank to mess things up on you. Okay. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily worry about that. You're insured to 250000 If all you're going to use them for is one of these savings accounts or money market accounts, mm-hmm. just go with whichever one's paying the highest rates. I mean, right now, okay. the best rates out there are about 2 and a third percent, 2.4 right in there. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I would. That's what I saw. I'd feel comfortable with any of those, but you know, okay. I did get something wrong, Sherry. Yes. I predicted by now that rates would be two and a half percent on the online accounts, and they haven't hit two and a half yet. Not that I've seen. So they're close. When I checked the other day, there was one that was two point four five. So really close. Well, I'm getting there. I just didn't deliver, but I don't own the banks, so I can only guess. I can't. Make them do something. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joe. Hey, how are you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, Joe. You have found an app that you think is made to order for your situation. Give me the backstory. So it's an app that's geared for self-employed people, and you sync your banking information with it, and it tracks your income, and you set up a plan with it, and as you get paid, it allocates money for taxes, insurance, and even vacation. So I didn't know if it was a good idea. Yeah, there's been a lot of people trying to help out people who work for themselves, get paid as independent contractors or whatever. What's the name of this app? It's Catch. Catch. All right. Now, Catch, um, I should point out to people, it's not .com. It's catch.co, which is going to confuse people. But they're not quite ready to really do business yet, so I'm not comfortable telling you that you should use them yet. Okay. A lot of the things, if you look on their website, a lot of things are coming sometime in 2019, but not even a specific date. Like they say, they're going to have health insurance, they have life insurance, they're going to have um, student loan repayment portal, and they're going to have these various functions. So what does it cost to use them for the things that are working right now? So what I saw that it was actually at no cost for right now, um, the biggest thing to me was the tax withholding. So as you get paid, because you are synced with your bank account, every time you get paid, 
they will deduct your tax rate and withhold it for the year. Yeah, and as long as they really do put it into an FDIC-insured account and you control that, not them, that's fine with me. Yeah, as far as the research I found, it's FDIC and you can even withdraw at any time. See, that's important because if they control the account and let's say they decide they need your funds, then that's a problem. Yeah. But if you are the one who's in control of it, then that would be okay. Okay. So uh, you would be a test group of one because this is just on my radar and I've been waiting for them to really get functioning. If you're willing to be a pioneer, give it a try. I'm so glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. The idea is I'm supposed to give you advice that you can put to work in your life each and every day. But what if the advice you hear me give is incomplete, in your opinion, misleading, or just flat wrong? I need to hear from you because this show is about all of us in this together. And that's why we have Clark Stinks. It's a special section on Clark.com where you can go and post when you feel I've missed the mark or you're just mad at me about something. Whatever it is, you can go post there and then others can read what you posted. They can comment on it. They can agree. They can disagree. They can even start their own complaint on Clark Stinks. And then once a week, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. And today, playing the role of Krista, (laughs) executive producer Kim, because Krista is away, and so you get to fill in on Clark Sinks. Maybe... Maybe you're going to audition for a new role here oh my gosh, as the boss. The, the pressure. I can't take it. Um, so we're going to start out with the elephant in the room. Clark. Is there an is, elephant? There might be. This isn't a Clark Stinks, but where is Clark Stinks? I switched from a podcast player app to something different recently, and it's been missing. Is this just my podcast app, or have you taken a break from Clark Stinks? Okay, so what happened, we haven't had the last two Weeks we didn't have it because one of them, I was actually on vacation. And the other one, we were at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. And that's why we had the hiatus of Clark Stink. So it is back, and I am here to hear from you. And I know we're backed up on posts on Clark Stinks, and hopefully we'll be able to work those down over the next few Clark Stinks podcasts and broadcasts. Exactly. And on that note, we're going to kind of mix it up from like things that have been waiting and things that are brand new. And within the next few weeks, we'll get to it all. Great. All right. So, Clark, net neutrality ended a year ago Friday. I accessed Clark Stinks today, the message board, without passing through anything remotely resembling a toll gate. Admit you were wrong and be happy about it, Mr. Howard. Mr. Howard. Yikes. I'm not happy about that at all. Who called me Mr. Howard? What's their they post their name? That was Neil. Neil. Okay, Neil. So so far, the concerns I've had, the fears I've had about 
net neutrality being done away with have not mattered very much. And so far, knock on this fake wood here. And is this real wood? I guess it's real wood in the studio. <laughs> anyway, uh, I will tell you that if it turns out that it was much ado about nothing, I will be the first to admit that. But we're still early innings on net neutrality because of all the lawsuits running around. If you're not familiar with net neutrality, it is where the cable monopolies, the phone monopolies are allowed now to put up toll gates and say you can't go to this website or this one can go faster or however they want to play it, that if you don't come to the table with money, they can offer you an inferior deal. Or if they don't like the content of a site, they now can legally block it. Clark, you stink like curdled milk on a hot summer day. I love that. Gross. <laughs> I listen to you every day, and you haven't said anything about the 3% interest your listeners could earn if they opened up a Robinhood checking account. This is much better than any other online savings accounts you've talked about. Why are you holding back on us? Don't you love us anymore? I do love you. And the Robinhood thing, i it's funny, I covered it on television, and I was getting ready to cover it on radio, and then they ran afoul of regulators, and so Robinhood had to stand down, and they are not offering the 3% uh, savings account. What they are now trying to design is one that will comply with the law that will be what's known as a cash management account, like Charles Schwab and Fidelity Investments have, and uh, it very well might end up at the 3%. But I just, right now, just pulled up their website, and it says, cash management coming soon. So as soon as they figure that all out, I will make sure I let you know, because the Robin Hood announcement was very exciting, but what followed was, uh, well, they kind of had their tail between their legs. All right, Clark, the advice you gave for putting fake checks into a drawer stinks. My grandmother listened to you and put her check into a drawer. She passed away recently, and my aunt found the check. Not knowing it was fake, she deposited Ooh. I know, into the grandmother's account, and the account, everything was going to probate. Stop telling elderly people to put these checks in drawers. Instead, start telling them to destroy them. That is something that never occurred to me. And that is a terrible oversight on my part and great advice that when you do receive one of those fake checks that you realize are fake, destroy them. Clark, the reason mobile phone sales are taking a huge hit has nothing to do with carriers, their contracts, and people tired of them. Carriers are still scamming consumers with contracts. The reason for the plummeting sales is that the mobile phone industry is hitting a plateau i.e. this year's phone is not enough better than last year's phone. The plateau, phone manufacturers aren't coming up with anything new. They're not making a product significantly faster than previous generation phones or coming out with new features that we're willing to ditch our current phones for. Remember seeing this with PCs 20 years ago? By the way, great show and thank you. You are, you are right. I agree with a lot of what you said, but I will say that the carriers no longer subsidizing the phones definitely had a direct effect on Apple sales and Samsung sales. Uh, one of the things that's happened with Apple is their phones used to be 50% more expensive than the average smartphone. 
Today, their phones are 230% more expensive than the average smartphone. Effective cost to a consumer. And it is true that the improvements in phones are incremental only. And until there's a breakthrough product, which will come along, we are just in replacement cycle now, not in innovation cycle with the cell phones. Clark, fully autonomous cars with no driver intervention ever are just not happening, probably ever. It simply cannot work in an uncontrolled environment. Every element of the environment will have to be wired and talking to the vehicle 100% of the time, in all weather, all the time. All vehicles would have to be connected to each other. No possibility of failure. This just isn't being developed, isn't on the drawing boards, and isn't happening in any of our lifetimes. Well, I hope we uh, live long enough to see it because... I think that the autonomous vehicle thing is going to happen slower than its most excited zealots would expect, but much quicker than most of us as normal earthlings expect it to happen. That the technologies that are being developed with the ability for cars to communicate with each other, even cars that are existing vehicles, and the ability for the the communication and the ability of artificial intelligence and the technologies that are being put into vehicles, I think this is going to happen sooner than you might imagine, which by your telling was never <laughs> any of our lifetimes. I hope I live long enough for us to settle this. But let's say 2029 is the point at which we should have a routinely fully autonomous vehicles on the road. So I just have to live till I'm, how old will I be then? I'll be 74, 73 or 74 at that point. That was a solid year claim. We don't get that often. Joel, will you write that down? All right, 2029. Clark, you are like a rose in a bed of weeds, but your love affair with Costco really stinks. Sure, they have some good prices, but so does Sam's. And with all your ravings about Costco, I've never heard you speak of their annoying practice of constantly moving their products around. Worse, they have no store maps or aisle signs. Sometimes even the employees don't know where stuff is, but they smile and say, it's a treasure hunt. They should put up a sign that says, we don't care how much of your time is wasted as long as you buy our stuff. It's Clark Rages. Thank you for that post. So yes, Costco was founded by, and at the highest levels is operated by, real merchants. And they don't want people coming in just buying the same predictable things each time. They want to create the the treasure hunt, as they do call it, as you said in your post. So it does require a little bit extra work on your part, because 40% of the merchandise in a Costco, and I think a similar percent at Sam's Club, rotates changes, uh, what they call sell-through. And so they are using a master merchant's trick to try to get you to explore as much of the whole store as you can each time you're there, and that's why they do it. Clark, I constantly see Android tablets recommended in Clark deals that have ancient Android versions, KitKat, Marshmallow, etc., 
These tablets have serious security holes. You just made me hungry. <laughs> I know, right? Why are they always so delicious? These tablets have serious security holes and will never be updated to fix them. No tablet or phone should be recommended unless it will receive security updates, period. Otherwise, thanks for all the helpful advice and tips. Regards, Larry. Larry, thank you, and I appreciate that post. A lot of the white label tablets that we post on Clark Deals, you'll hear me talk about that are these tablets you buy, like a 10-inch tablet for 50 bucks. The idea of these is these are ones that are usually going to be used by children to watch video and play games. They're not being used for uh, commerce, for business functions, banking, anything like that. And that's why I've not been as concerned by the ultra inexpensive tablets having obsolete versions of Android. If you are using any device for things where you're signing into accounts, using important passwords and all the rest, you absolutely should use a device from Apple or from, uh, from Amazon with their tablets or an Android tablet or phone that is up to date with the latest or nearly latest operating system. I appreciate all your posts today, and we'll do our best to bring you a lot of Clark Stinks content over the next few weeks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chet's joining us here on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chet. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. How are you? Great. Thank you, Chet. How can I be of service to you? Yeah, first, I'd just like to say you've been a part of my family for 20 plus years, so it's an honor to speak with you. You've, you've done a lot of great stuff for my family without knowing it, so we appreciate that. Well, you're really kind to say that. Thank you. One area that uh, we failed to follow your advice on here in the last couple of years, my wife and I, uh, we've fallen into some credit card debt. Um, we, we used to be really good with it, and then we both suffered some losses in our family, and we kind of got into a mindset of live now, don't worry about saving later, and got into some credit card debt. About seven right, months stop, ago. Stop beating yourself up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, about seven months ago, about the end of summer, we made a conscious decision that, you know, this needs to come to an end. Uh, we started living very frugal. Um, we, we stopped trying to pay credit cards cause we were starting to drown a little bit. And, um, so we've been paying off some credit cards slowly and we've started uh, taking your advice, started with the high interest rates, working our way down. But my question is, uh, just recently received my first letter in the mail for a company to, um, 
take a offer. You know, you, you pay us this amount and we'll we'll close it off. However, the wording stated something like um, we'll report to the credit agency that this has been settled for amount less than what is owed. And so I was wondering how that's going to affect me by saying that on my yeah, that's not that's not good for you. So the actual okay. credit card company itself is making an mm-hmm. offer to you for cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, how much is owed versus what they were saying they would take? So this particular credit card, the the balance was $766, excuse me, and they were willing to settle uh, for 50% of that. You know, at that amount of money involved, I know mm-hmm. it would be nice to not pay the $383, my math is right. I'd rather you mm-hmm. just pay the whole thing. Okay. And, and leave and your so credit leave your credit card. clean. How much total do you owe on the credit cards that you've resolved to pay off? When we when we started we were at about forty two thousand. We've worked it down now in about six months time to about thirty three thousand. So we're 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 paying diligently. Um and uh, so we're down to around thirty-three thousand now. So that's fantastic. And so even with all the interest that's accruing on all these you were able to net out $9,000 reduction in balance in six months. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this, this path you're on is fantastic because it means in a couple of years, you stay on this glide path, you're going to take 42 to zero. Mm-hmm. And let me tell yeah, you why. Yeah, we have a three-year plan. Let me tell you, how many year? A three-year plan. Yeah, so let me tell you why, why this is so healthy for you just to do it the way you're doing it instead of taking anybody's offer is mm-hmm. that you train yourself through this process to live on less than what you make. And so you build this habit over three years where you're extinguishing this debt. When that three years is up, you've already trained yourselves to live on less than what you make. And then after that, the money you would have been paying to the credit cards, you're instead paying into your rainy day fund, into retirement accounts, whatever. There's a value that's so incredible in just taking the harsh medicine like you're doing and paying it off because it changes your path moving forward. Yes. That's great advice. Thank you. I was just swore, I figured if this first offer came in that they were going to continue to come in from the other credit cards, and I wasn't sure if I should accept these offers and just have them. Yeah, it's a bit it out. of a it's a bit of a pact with the devil. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Right. So you're gonna, okay. and I can tell. I hear it in your voice and the way you were were packing the blame on your shoulders when we first started talking. Mm-hmm. You've got a new mindset about money. And you're living that mindset by how you're paying down the debt. Just stay that path, stay that course, and you're going to feel so great in two and a half years. You'll feel it in a whole new way. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.